Hey, hey, welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We're on episode 30, and this week is such a fun episode. We are doing a bunch of questions and answers that we received from our listeners. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So I'm really excited about this episode. I am too. I am too. It's going to be so fun. We have a good mix of some fun questions, some practical questions, and some real deep, um, how do you even word that? Some real like serious questions. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't talked about them a whole lot. So right. this should be fun. This is very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of getting our first conversation on a yeah, lot of we these We haven't really prepped questions. for this. It's going to be spitfire. So, yes. <laughs> See how fast we can think on our feet. Aaron just taught a class this morning and I've been cave diving this morning with my kids. So <laughs> <laughs> this might be interesting. It'll be fun. It'll but be here fun. we go. <laughs> All right. Question number one. What is your favorite thing about being a Christian? Okay. So when I first read this question, I thought, oh, wow. Like, there are so many things. But then almost immediately, I was like, hope. For me, it's Mm -hmm. hope. The hope we have in the gospel. Um, We aren't just living this life, like, kind of aimlessly wandering around. We have hope that through... Um, Jesus's death on the cross, we have salvation and we can spend eternity in heaven with um, God. And yeah, just that hope. Mm -hmm. That hope is my favorite thing about being a Christian. That's a good answer. And since you already said that one, I don't have to say that. So I can pick something else. You sure can. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say two things, but they're kind of intertwined. Okay. So one is that I'm a middle child and I'm a middle child in every sense of you could think of a middle child. And we've talked about that on here before, but one of those things about being a middle child is you don't like to be alone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of my favorite things is that I'm never alone. Like God is always there. And as I've been studying him and as we've been talking about the attributes, like different attributes, I don't want to say come in handy, but I am like thankful for different attributes of God in different seasons. So when I like start to feel alone, then I can remind myself that God is intimate and that Mm. he is there and that he cares for me. And when I start to feel alone in finances, I can remember that he's provider or just like every different attribute of God is always just comforting, which kind of goes along with the hope that you're talking about. But I really, I really like knowing the fact that God is not some distant God that he is there and that he is for me and that he is always with me. Um, So that's one. And the other one that kind of builds off of that is that I like to go on adventure on a challenge or I just like having a mission or having a purpose. And I think that kind of goes along with what you're saying about hope is that when you're a Christian, like you have a mission, you have a a purpose and that God calls you his beloved and that you are his and that you get to spend your life like getting to know him and making him known and and you get to live on mission and that that is just I don't know it gets me all fired up like I don't have to just go about my day like what am I going to do today like I'm on a mission Yes, that is so good because I feel like, especially in our generation, mm-hmm. people are constantly searching for their purpose. Right. And 
I mean, you hear about these millennials that just lay on their couch and eat cereal and watch Netflix Sounds all day. Sounds kind of fun sometimes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we've talked about rest and sometimes that's a good thing to do. Yeah. But when you're doing that day after day right. and you don't have a true purpose, mm-hmm. it's like, what are you living for? You're just floating around. And so, yeah. So remembering that being a Christian um, involves that purpose that we are to like go and spread the gospel mm-hmm. and spread Jesus's love and be the hands and feet of Christ. All of those things. I love the purpose that it gives us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a good one. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So on the flip side, what is the hardest thing you find about being a Christian? So this one is, I feel like this one's even harder to answer because we don't live, you know, like in the early church where we're, we're being killed for our faith. Like we're very blessed to live in a country where um, freedom of religion is is possible and a gift to us. But I think there is still that challenge of um, being countercultural mm-hmm. and taking a stand for something in a in um, a place where truth is relative and everybody gets to just do what they want and believe what they want. And yet tolerance is you know, key and all of that. And so it's this weird, tricky dynamic in, in the culture that we live in now. And so I think maybe the hardest thing is just saying, yes, there is one way to heaven mm-hmm. and it's through the blood of Jesus. And and that isn't usually taken well by yeah. most people. And so I, I guess I would say the hardest thing is just being different, being countercultural mm-hmm. and being okay with that and finding your identity not in this world but in God and that's easy to say but then in the Mm day-to-day you know meeting new people or whatever your day-to-day looks like reminding yourself that your identity is not in this world and that our identity is in Christ and it's it's okay to be different because you know you are beloved in God's eyes and what the world says doesn't matter but Mm -hmm. it's harder than it's harder than it sounds it is and I think I'm just now starting to feel some of that because Mm -hmm. Growing up, I grew up small town, East Texas, what we call the Bible Belt. I mean, we went back to visit Jonathan's family this like a couple weekends ago. And I mean, you could say there's a church, there's a church, Uh there's a church. And it wasn't like a Buddha temple over here or whatever. Mm -hmm. They were all like evangelical Mm -hmm. churches. And I was just there. Churches everywhere. When you met someone, what you asked was, where do you go to church? You know, it's just, it was very much a part of my culture. And so I didn't face a lot of that. Um, I guess like, the criticism mm-hmm. and the it wasn't really a countercultural thing in Greenville, Texas. Mm. Like everybody went to church. Everybody knew who Jesus was for the most part. Um, but living where we are now, I mean, Round Rock, still the suburb, suburbs, a lot of people still go to church, but being closer to the city mm-hmm. and the more urban and Austin, you know, very, very weird. And I like mm-hmm. it. I like the fact that um, it's giving me a different perspective and a different group of people to reach for Christ. Mm -hmm. I like that, but it is super hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. And um, I don't know, the Lord's just been really challenging me with certain things lately that, and different perspective than I had growing up. And it is, it's tough. It's really hard sometimes to take that stand because you want to be loving to people, Mm -hmm. but you also want to speak truth to them. And we've talked about this some before, but yeah, I think that's definitely a hard part of being a Christian. I would also say kind of along the same lines, um, it's just the process of sanctification. Mm. It's not always easy and Mm. it's not always fun. Right. That becoming more like Christ, like, 
man, sometimes it's painful. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, like last night I took Cadence to this really cool thing that if you have a tween girl, you need to take them to. It's called Secret Keeper Girl. But they were talking about that. They did this illustration with a a teapot and they were talking about the potter and the clay and how, Mm -hmm. you know, the potter has to hit the clay and, you know, get all the bubbles out and then spin the clay and fire the clay Mm -hmm. and then paint the clay and then fire it again. And that poor teapot was like screaming, (laughs) stop, stop, stop. And the potter kept saying, not yet. I'm not done with you yet. Mm -hmm. And it was painful and it was a tough process. But in the end, this teapot was beautiful. And so um, I'd already thought about sanctification being a you know, a difficult thing as far as being a Christian. But then last night, that illustration was just perfect because I'll be like, yes, that's what it's like. Sometimes it feels like you're going through fire, but yep. ultimately it's for it's for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a beautiful thing. Right. So, yeah. I think, too, with sanctification is that sometimes it's frustrating. Oh, yeah. Like, I just want to be like Jesus. No. Yes. And, you know, the Bible says it's one degree of glory to the next. Right. But we're like, can't we just make it a little faster? Right. Can we put it in the microwave and speed this process yeah. up a little bit? Because and, <laughs> yeah. And where Paul talks about you know he knows what he should do but he can't do it he wants to do what he can't do and you know that verse I always get it all tongue-tied but (laughs) but yeah that feeling of oh I want to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and I know what I want to do but my flesh is saying this and it is it's so frustrating yeah so yeah that's a good answer yeah thanks thanks uh I thought this one was funny we got a question from my husband he said are you single (laughs) I was like oh Mm. thanks babe you're cute you're cute So let's do a fun one. Let's do what are some date night ideas? Y'all go on a date every week, right? Pretty much. And here's the thing about that. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. (laughs) Um, So I have people all the time say to me, oh, you're so lucky. Your parents are in town. You get to go on a date night every night or every Every night. Every night. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Every week, every Saturday night usually. And yes, we're super blessed that my parents are in town. But here's the deal. Even if they weren't in town and the few times that they have I've been like out of town or it's just been a season of where my kids haven't gotten to go over there. We still find a way to have a date night. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't every week, we would probably be every other week at least once a month mm-hmm. because it is such a priority to us. Our kids are going to leave one day and mm-hmm. it's just going to be the two of us. Yep. And we've got to still have our relationship. And so... I know that sometimes like finances can be tough to pay a babysitter. Well, there's a couple of solutions to that. One, find someone in your life group, your Sunday school class, whatever, that will switch off with you. You watch their kids one night and they watch your kids the next. There's Mm -hmm. one solution. Another solution would be to take the money that you would spend on dinner or the movie or whatever, pay the babysitter and go have a picnic in the park Mm -hmm. Um, or something else cheap. Go ride bikes, go swimming, go do, you know, something else cheap. The point is get Getting away and spending time with your spouse. Mm-hmm. So there's my little soapbox. Girl, it I is, feel it. It is so important. I'm and with so you. many people make so many excuses. And I feel like um, in this culture, this mommy culture that we're in right now, a lot of times people feel so guilty about leaving their kids. And it's just, it makes me so sad because mm-hmm. you've got to li- be able to leave your kids for yep. a few hours. I mean, I'm a homeschool mama, so I like being with my kids. But I need to leave them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need that time. <laughs> and so, anyway, some ideas. I mean, there are so many ideas. Um, of course, dinner, um, finding new places to go for dinner. We love food. If you mm-hmm. live if you live somewhere close to, you know, some good food. Oh, we love food. Um, 
We have gone, of course, we did this as a family, but you can do it as a couple too, like kayaking mm-hmm. if you live somewhere with a body of water near. Um, we love going to the movies, uh, picnic in the park, go to Whole Foods. Well, I say Whole Foods just because that's different food. Yeah. Like we like to go to Whole Foods because they have yeah, different stuff <laughs> and get like um, good cheeses and meats and all sorts of stuff, crackers and bread and go sit in the park and watch the sunset and um we like to go to shows, musicals, concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know all this, a lot of this sounds expensive, but on a weekly basis, we don't do big things. Right. You know, we might just go eat it. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the simple places we like to eat. We used to go to Texas Land and Cattle, but the one we went to shut down. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm trying to think because it's not all like Austin-y places. I mean, we like Austin-y places, but um, we go to other places too. The point is just to be together. Mm-hmm. Like that's the point. Mm-hmm. That's the point of it. What about y'all? Y'all are a little more adventurous than us. So I want to hear some of your ideas. Well, I, I'm on the same soapbox as Casey here. We, uh, we are very lucky also we're very blessed also to have family in town um but i would say the same thing i mean you loved them before you had kids you're gonna have to keep dating so that you love them after the kids and i i agree 100 percent. your kids are gonna leave and so you don't want to one day your kids leave and be like oh i haven't talked to you or spent time with you alone in 20 years like that would be super awkward and um but it does it takes being intentional sometimes Mm -hmm. um there's seasons of that. Obviously, it was hard for us when we had the twins because I don't know. I didn't want to ask my mom to watch two infant babies at the same time. So, you know, it, that it didn't take a bottle. Right. That wouldn't take a <laughs> bottle. Yeah. My kids would not take a bottle. So there was about a year there after they were born where it was very hard for us to leave. But we would do like an hour date and come back, you know, like short little things. But yeah, we we're very uh, adventurous. So we do a lot of bike riding or and we like to be cheap. That's another thing is we're very cheap. We don't like to spend a lot of money. So we'll go, you know, bike ride is free or we'll go down. If you live in Austin, we'll do the bike and hike trail around um, Lady Bird Lake or just get in and swim. Or mm-hmm. um, we like to sup. It's like mm-hmm. 15 bucks mm-hmm. and you can ra- ride those. For a whole um, hour. Yeah. yeah Stand up paddle boards. Um, Mount Bonnell. Mount Bonnell. Yeah. Is it Bonnell or Bonnell? I don't know. I've heard both ways. Okay. Yeah. Um, we also like if we're going to be... Um, Rich, not rich. If we're going to spend money, <laughs> if we're going to be, I was trying to think, what's the opposite of cheap? If we're going to be fancy, but it's not fancy. If we're going to splurge. If we're going to splurge. Yeah. We'll go to, um, we'll go rock climbing. There's some uh, cool rock. It's called Austin Bouldering Project, I think. It's really fun. Kids can go there too. Oh, that might Not on your date, that. but kids can, yeah, there's a whole kids section. It's, yeah. it's pretty fun. It's a little expensive, but um, bowling. Bowling yes, is actually a bowling. really fun date. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty inexpensive, yeah. too, depending on where you go. Yeah. yeah. You can, and use Groupon. Mm-hmm. Dude, Groupon oh, has great yes. stuff. That is a great idea. Groupon yeah. has great stuff. Yeah. So that's all I can think of off the top of my head right now. Yeah. We go on a motorcycle ride a lot now. We got yeah. a motorcycle, so. I know. Yeah. I was trying to think of other things. But yeah, I mean, for us, like we love to go sit at coffee shops. I mean, in Austin, there's tons of um, live music, Mm -hmm. tons of coffee shops and tons of live music. So either one of those just going and sitting and just being together Mm -hmm. and talking, being intentional with your conversations. Don't just talk about the kids. Mm -hmm. That's something that we've uh, really been working on, you know, more. I mean, we've made a habit of it. And so it's not um, something we have to really work on as much anymore. But in the beginning, after we had kids, like it was hard and we had to be intentional not to talk about cadence all the time, not to talk about Lydia all the time. And, but it is, it's just nice to get back to your roots and remember why you love each other. 
And if you're if you're in a season right now where like date night in is kind of your option, there's some really fun things you can do at home too. Absolutely. Like game night. Um, we've done recently the other night we played just pull it up on our phone and we played mm-hmm. Would You Rather mm-hmm. and we just asked each other the Would You Rather questions. Or the, the head thing. Um, uh, what is that game? It's the Ellen. The Ellen game. Ellen DeGeneres made that game. You hold your phone up. Yeah, to your head. that game. That that's fun. That we called? play that sometimes when we're waiting at restaurants. Yeah, like it's fun. Um, but if you do have a lot of date nights at home, this is another thing. Create a space. Yeah. Like on your porch, like mm-hmm. put t- twinkle lights and get a cheap like outdoor sofa and create a space where you like to cuddle up together so you can put the kids monitor out there and yeah. you can have some alone time after Drink they go to bed. On the patio. Yeah. We did that like the whole year the girls were born. Yeah. And it's just, it's a different setting than just in your house, in your living room, mm-hmm. get some fresh air, turn on some music and yeah. there you go at yep. home date night. But that intentional time is super important. Yep. Super important. So moving on, let's see what the next question is. I'm going to hit you with a hard one. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. What do you believe the church's role with issues such as pornography is? So I think, okay, we're going to have to talk about this a lot because I think it's going to take a little bit of work. So I think um, with any sin that is brings about a lot of shame so mostly sexual sin or hidden sin um i think the church has a lot of work to do in this area because it seems like there's there's two camps right now you kind of just hide it because you don't want to be judged or you just keep living in it and you don't Mm -hmm. you don't have anywhere to turn with it so Mm -hmm. i think the church um at large needs to create a space where you can bring your hidden sin not in a way of shame but um just like you would come with anything else. But it seems like there's certain sins that we classify as um, worse or mm-hmm. shame, more shameful. Um, I, don't, I don't really know exactly how to describe that. But I think there needs to be a, a movement in the church. And it's happening. I, I see it happening. Yes, absolutely. Where, where people too. who struggle with pornography or um, same-sex attraction or any of these sins that we call worse than others there needs to be a place where they can come and seek healing Mm -hmm. and not come and just receive judgment Mm -hmm. and I don't know exactly what that looks like but I I believe that um it's going to look like a lot of discipleship I think if with the church, um, either large church, small church, whatever type of church you go to, if discipleship isn't happening, it's easy to stay in sin. Mm-hmm. If there's discipleship happening and there's community and there's people who are walking alongside you and checking in on you and how is the Lord working in your heart right now and where are you struggling? If people are checking in on you like that and walking in community in a discipleship relationship, it's going to be really hard to hide those kind of things. And it's... it's um. It's not as easy as it sounds. Oh, let's just go find discipleship. It's not, it's, I understand it's not that easy, but I think if we create a culture within the church at large where no one's alone, then that that's how the church is going to, should, I believe, should handle these things is that we need to be walking in community and we need to be walking with other believers in a one-on-one type relationship. I really, truly believe that, that that's where this is going to be dealt with. This is where we're going to receive healing is that someone is is for you mm-hmm. and is um, putting themselves in an uncomfortable situation at times to help you to grow and to know that, you know, Jesus blood covered you and that there's no sin that you can commit that isn't covered by the blood of Jesus and that um, can speak that into you 
I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that's exactly. I, that's where I was headed to as far as community. I think that's the real place that's going to really get to the root of the issues. I mean, you can't expect the pastor to stand on stage and like raise your hand if you're having this right, ish- issue right. or anything like that. Um, so I think that community is where you're really in the discipleship relationships or where you're really going to get into the nitty gritty stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also do think talking about like the pulpit, um, I do think the pastor of the church has a role in exegeting the whole Bible, mm-hmm. like going through verse by verse of the Bible and not skipping the hard yeah. things. Yeah. So if you're going to read a passage, like I've got it open to Ephesians 5 right now, um, which talks about sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. You're not going to just skim over that. And I realize that you have to be careful um, when there's children in the service and there are certain things that you can't dive into super deep in, quote unquote, big church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I I think that it should be addressed. I think that those hard things should be addressed in church. And it should, like you were saying, like people should um, feel comfortable Mm -hmm. I mean, sin is never a comfortable thing, but people should know that that's something that we're not going to just look over. We're not going to tiptoe around. It's a real thing that people are struggling with, and let's let's deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about it. Let's work it out. Let's see what the Bible has to say about it. And so I think that um, in the past, maybe that's been part of the, the problem is these kind of um, topical sermons where you know you kind of pick and choose verses Mm -hmm. and you skip around the hard things and make everything you know tied up into this pretty little bow but that's not how the bible is the bible addresses these hard issues and so i think that as a church we should be addressing these hard issues Mm -hmm. too i think i read this thing um this was a couple years ago but i read this stat that said it's actually more women that struggle with pornography than men. I heard that too yeah, somewhere. It's crazy. Yeah. So, and I think just the idea that, I mean, the enemy is going to use the idea that you're the only one struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And oh, so yeah. creating a space where people can realize they're not the only person is going to really, I think, help this situation as well. Because if you feel alone, then you're not going to go to anybody with what you're struggling with. And so mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Um, it's probably going to be dependent on the church you go to and your community. But creating a space where you can come to someone else and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And whether that's in a one-on-one discipleship, like we were talking about, or if that's you know within your Bible study or whatever that looks like of just saying, hey, there's not a single sin in here that only one person is struggling mm-hmm. with. And like reminding people that you have power over this. Okay, like Jesus's blood gives you power to turn away from this sin. And that doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with it, but that he has conquered sin and he has conquered death and that you don't have to stay in that place of being alone and feeling like you're stuck in that sin. Right. What was it? We talked about it in the confession episode. It was like, it wasn't, I don't think it was honesty, but it was something breeds something like honesty breeds breeds honesty or something like Mm -hmm. basically if I tell my story, like more people are likely to open up about their story right like someone has to go first and once that person goes first then it's just kind of this domino effect right where people are like oh i'm not alone mm-hmm. okay i can talk about this too so i think you're absolutely right we need to start talking about it and um just coming alongside each other loving right. each other and pointing each other to the truth exactly exactly yeah. pointing each other back to the truth that's mm-hmm. good that's good i like that so let's talk about one of the questions was what is the difference between 
guilt versus conviction. Do you want to kind of break that down a little bit? Yeah. So I liked this question a lot because this is something that I feel like I've kind of worked through in my own life, but Mm -hmm. um, without putting it into these words, I think I've kind of just thought through these things, Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really think about the fact that I was deciphering between guilt and um, conviction. So when I think about this, I was trying to think of a good example that kind of you can use both both scenarios, one when you see guilt and one when you see conviction. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about how like mommy guilt. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of times these days you hear people talking about mommy guilt and it's this guilt of maybe not spending enough time with your kids or, um, you know, not taking them as many places as you should or being on your phone instead of paying attention to them or whatever, whatever it is. Um, And so as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, yes, that can be guilt at times, but that also may be conviction Mm -hmm. at times. So Mm -hmm. how do you see the difference? So for me, as I was working through this, I was thinking the guilt is coming from a place of comparison. Mm. The guilt is coming from not God. It is coming from what I'm seeing on social media. It's coming from maybe even other friends. And that's a tough one because I do believe that the Lord can use your friends mm-hmm. um, to convict you. But um, it's just this place of like, it, it's a very self-centered yeah, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when you are addressing guilt, it is to make yourself look better. Mm-hmm. Like your purpose mm-hmm. in addressing guilt is so... I will look like a better mommy. Mm-hmm. So my kids will love me more, mm-hmm. whatever it is. If you think about it on the flip side, if you've been in your Bible reading about like being maybe a Proverbs 31 woman, or if you've been listening to sermons, or um, maybe you've been talking to one of your friends that you know spends a lot of time in their Bible and they're having a heart to heart conversation with you and and you you realize, wait, like I haven't been investing in my kids as much as I should. I haven't been looking into their eyes when they're mm-hmm. talking to me. I haven't been reading the Bible daily with them. I haven't been praying with them. These things that could be coming from a place of the Holy Spirit's conviction. And when you think about addressing that, you're thinking about making God look better, Mm. not making yourself look Mm. better. You're thinking about the purpose of pointing them back to God. And you're thinking about furthering your relationship with your children to ultimately lead to both of both of your sanctification. Right. You know, and so I was talking this through with Jonathan and he said, so basically what you're saying is addressing guilt makes you look better, but addressing conviction makes God look better. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. kind of a good way to sum that is it a good up. Way. Yeah, you that's know? Good. And I, I think that that's true. And um, I like this verse. It's 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. And it says, as it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Mm. And I thought that pretty much summed it up. Like, I feel like when you're addressing guilt, you kind of just spiral. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't help. You yeah. know, if you're if you're fixing something just because you feel guilty, like, it doesn't really fix anything. Mm-hmm. But if you're addressing these things and truly repenting, like we talked on the confession episode, if you're truly repenting and turning because you want to be closer to God, then... 
that's going to produce life. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I, you know, define the two. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing I I can think of that maybe adds to that is I, I don't remember where I heard this, but it's that that God is not a God of confusion, and I think yes. sometimes guilt brings about confusion. It's a in the Bible, I thought so. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know where I've heard this before. <laughs> Maybe it's the Bible. <laughs> not I a God of confusion, but of peace. Of peace, of, right. of self control, sound mind. It's yeah, okay, yeah. It's somewhere in one of the Timothys. I yes, think. I think it is. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's a helpful thing too. Is that if you're if you're feeling guilt and it's like a confusion yeah. like I think that's kind of a, a good test too whereas mm-hmm. I feel like if you're feeling conviction it's a pretty it's not always super clear but it's right. pretty clear what to do that's about true. it that's so guilt's true. like oh I don't know I feel guilty mm-hmm. what should I do but convictions usually um more you feel convicted here's what you should yeah. do about it you know you you like with your example you feel convicted about not spending as, as much t- intentional time with your kids reading the bible to them it's pretty clear what you right. should do about mm-hmm. it. Whereas mm-hmm. guilt would be like, oh, I don't know what I should do. Mm-hmm. Should I do this? Should I do this? Should I go here? Should, you yeah. know, does that kind mm-hmm. of make sense? It does. Okay. And I also, I mean, conviction sometimes can be emotional, but I think a lot of times guilt is a lot more emotional right. than conviction. Like yeah. you said, with conviction, it's kind of like, okay, I need to take these steps. With mm-hmm. guilt, it's like, oh, I'm such a bad mommy. Right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the pity party yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Very self-focused. Yeah. I think that's a good, really good way. Yeah. Really good way to describe it so what is your best life advice not that this is broad or anything okay this I thought this was a really fun question so thanks Rocky um this this was another hard one I feel like it was like the the one we started with but I this is going to sound so Christiany Sunday school answer but really I truly think my best life advice is don't eat yellow snow just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. <laughs> no, I think truly uh, read your Bible. And the reason I say that, we, I could get on my soapbox again, but the reason I say that is for me, and I think for everyone, I think it's safe to say that the Bible is, is um, a sure way to meet with God. So um, if you read your Bible you there's so many things that could come from it so if your best life advice is read your bible then you can read your bible um when you're happy you can read your bible when you need answer you can read your bible when you need comfort you can read your bible in all aspects of your life and that um the lord will meet you there it says you know that this is this is his word to us and it's living and active it's sharper than any two-edged sword and that um anything that you're going through if you come to your word, you're going to you're going to walk away knowing more about God, loving more of God and knowing what you should do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to say the Bible is like your your what do people say? Your guidebook or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't think mm-hmm. you should come to it saying, "What should I do with my life?" Right. But it's it's there and that is one of the purposes of the Bible is it tells us how to walk in um in godly ways. And so I think my simple easy answer would just be read your Bible. Yeah, I like that. And I like how you said that it's good for any season Mm -hmm. and any like emotions that you're going through, any hard times you're going through. And my advice is very much along the same lines as that. And um, there's a song and it's actually like five years old now, but it's just been playing over and over in my head. It's a song by um, Aaron Ivey and... 
someone else and I can't remember <laughs> his name. Anyway, it's stone worship. <laughs> yes, you say it's Austin yes, stone? it's Austin stone worship. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's called Jesus is Better, and most of you have probably heard it. I love but that song. It's just been like playing over and over in my head, and the reason I like that phrase is because, um, like when things are good, it keeps you humble mm-hmm. because you remember that things are only good because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um. And when you're complaining about things, it can turn things around Mm -hmm. and make you thankful because Jesus, because of the salvation that you have through him. I was going to read some of the lyrics just for the chorus. And I I like it because it does. It kind of addresses all the different seasons, all the different emotions. It says, in all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. In all my victories, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Than any comfort, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. More than all riches, Jesus is better. Make my heart my heart believe our souls declaring Jesus is better. Make my heart believe our song eternal. Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. And I just, I've just keep going back mm-hmm. to that lately. Um, because there's so much going on in our world. I mean, they're always from the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's been so much sin and turmoil. And, um, you know, from the first time Eve sinned, it's just, it's been hard times. And I think that, It's so hard to get wrapped up in everything going on. Mm -hmm. And to me, that phrase is just a very good way to center myself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in the middle of parenting chaos, Jesus is better. Jesus is Mm -hmm. better. In the middle of even like happy, happy, happy times, Mm -hmm. I can think Jesus is even better than this, you know? And so anyway, that's just a phrase that I feel like you could just say to yourself, I All love day, it. every day. Jesus I is love better. It. Jesus is better. Yeah. So. When we had talked about this question before and w- when she told me her answer, I was like, oh, that's a really good answer. <laughs> I like that one. But, but it's-, it's funny because on the last episode, or it was several episodes back if you're listening to this one, you said several times, God is better. Oh. God is better. And I was <laughs> like, oh, you took my answer, but I'm still using it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I think it's, that's so true is that it reminds you that when... When things are bad, Jesus is better. Mm-hmm. But also I think when things are good to remind yourself that Jesus mm-hmm. is better because yeah. our hearts become little idol factories Absolutely. and we're like, yes. oh, this is the best mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. My kids are the best thing or right. my job is the best thing or my friendships are the best thing. It's like, no, no. Jesus is still Jesus better. Jesus is still better. It's good. Jesus is still better. I love it. <laughs> Me too. All right. Let's go to another. The last one, I oh, think. We saved it for last somehow. Okay. We saved it for last probably because this is, I don't want to say it's my favorite question, but it's one of my all-time favorite topics when talking about Christian living. And so the question was, how do you feel as young wives and mommies about complementarianism? Thank you. I forgot how it was worded. Something like that. Something like that. That was Erin's mom that asked it. Yeah. Thanks, mom. (laughs) She knows I love complementarianism. So so let's kind of maybe just briefly define what complementarianism is and then we can maybe use a little scripture and we can talk about why and how we feel about that you want to define it um i think you have the definition (laughs) the matt chandler definition that we were going to use okay so this is pulled from um a sermon at the village church by matt chandler it's in the series a beautiful design and i'm just going to give that a plug because how many times have you listened to that series (laughs) probably like three or four times It's so good, you guys. It is so good. It's called Beautiful Design, and that's what it is. It's about God's beautiful design for us, and it's just, it's really good. So um, I think there might be a book you can do with your life group, too. 
I don't know. So, there might be. Yeah, they've got all sorts of resources. Yeah, they do. All right. So he says, the man and the woman were created unique by God, both in the image of God, equal in dignity, value, and worth. But they have been meant to complement one another, not compete against one another. The weaknesses of the one are strengthened by the strengths of the other. Okay, now keep listening because this gets a little tricky in the words. And then the strengths of the other are made even stronger by the strengths of the other. This is a complementarian relationship where the men are being men and women are being women is my favorite part. When that happens, you have the type of human flourishing that the Bible commends and that if we'd be willing to walk in it, our joy will increase and God's glory might be seen all the more brightly and our hearts would be more satisfied in him. I like that. So you might have heard that and thought, well, yeah, that's that's what I believe. Like, why would anybody else think any different? Because that sounds really good. But there is, um, there's actually several other kind of train of thought mm-hmm. about this, but... Um, the other one that's probably most popular is egalitarianism. And it is where um, you're not only, they not only see men and women as having the same like worth um, and both being like image bearers of Christ, but also um, having the same roles, like Mm -hmm. the ability to do the same roles, Mm -hmm. um, if that makes any sense. And that's a very short explanation of it, but we kind of just wanted to, contrast the different um kind of ways people see this in the church and at home so this is something that um kind of goes into your belief about women's roles in the church Mm -hmm. and women's roles at home Mm -hmm. you can kind of use it both places yeah so um what was the little phrase you said before distinct distinct yes um dependent but yet distinct yes so Yeah. So once again, Matt Chandler says what we're saying in complementarianism is we are distinct from one another, but dependent on one another. Distinct and dependent. He says it over and over Um, because we do when God created us, he created us. With different roles Mm -hmm. in mind, we are very different. Male and female, we're very different, Mm -hmm. but we are to help each other and Mm -hmm. we are to come alongside each other and um like it said in that definition that Aaron read like our strengths will only help strengthen mm-hmm. each other and our our strengths will help the other person's weakness too yeah. like mm-hmm. that's we're meant to work together yeah so just to give a little scripture on it you have it already open mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Ephesians 5 so yeah. we'll just pull a couple of verses from that yeah wives uh, this is Ephesians 5:22 Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and um, is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. Mm -hmm. And if we want to even take that way back to... Um, creation, I think this that's another place where we can see this, that like Casey's saying that we were created distinct in our roles. And um, the first time, I thought this was so interesting, the first time, so God's creating, creating, and this is good. He created this and he said, that is good, this is good. The first time that God says it's not good is when man is alone. So he created Adam, he was alone, it was not good, mm-hmm. so he created Eve. Mm-hmm. And it says... Um, 
in chapter two, verse 18, and the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper as his compliment. So I like this translation because it has the word compliment Which in it. Which one is that? This is HCSB. Okay. Um, any version will say along the same right. things, but I right. like the, I like it the compliment. compliment. Yeah. yeah. And so it says it was not good for the man to be alone. So he made a helper. And I'm just going to throw in this little tidbit because I thought this was super interesting. The word helper in this um, verse is used later on in um, different chapters talking about how God is a helper to his people. And so if we're going to say that helper in this verse is also in different re- different times in the Bible talking about God, then there's no way we can say that that role as a helper is a bad thing right. or is subordinate oh, or is no. anything like that. Right. Because right. we couldn't say those things about God. So, um, I'd try not to get down bunny holes right now because yeah. we'll do a whole episode. We're hoping to do, well, we will do a whole episode Later. along these lines. Yeah. 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 But I think um, the question originally was, how do we feel about this, yeah. right? As wives mm-hmm. and mothers. Mm-hmm. And I would say that full disclosure here, when Taylor and I did pre-marriage counseling before we got married, we took all these, you know, personality mm-hmm. tests and all yeah. these kind of things. And our pre-marriage counselors were like, Okay, just so you guys know, um, this is going to be a little bit of a struggle for you, Erin, to walk in submission because you have a very strong personality. Um, I got like the hawk or whatever it is on the test. And that Taylor, is not the Enneagram. I don't know what No, it's that not is. an Enneagram. I don't remember. It was like the animal test. I don't remember what it was. And Taylor got a golden retriever. So, And that's very accurate for us. I am intense like a hawk and Taylor's incredibly loyal and sweet and kind like a golden retriever. So um, just so you know, this is not something that I was like, I want to be a complimentarian or anything like that. Um, and it kind of goes against your nature. It does kind yeah. of go against my yeah. nature. But the Lord has been so kind and gracious to make it beautiful and attractive to me. Mm-hmm. And I see um, throughout scripture and just um, through the Holy Spirit, like, the potential of the beauty of it in that it puts the gospel on display in such a beautiful way that when we walk in the way that God designed for us, like Chandler was saying in that passage, like it, it's the type of human flourishing that attracts people mm-hmm. and people want to know, like, how do you willingly submit to your husband? Or how do you walk in a way where you're supporting and lifting up your husband and he's supporting and lifting you up? And how do you have this this way that is so beautiful and you're able to say, you know, like this is the way the Lord designed marriage to be. And so it gives you a chance to kind of spread the gospel in a way that you might not be able to do if you weren't walking in this way. Right. I think for me, it's funny because it was kind of the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I saw, um, I actually saw an interview. We talking about him a lot, but I saw an interview with Matt and Lauren Chandler and I just think they're a beautiful example Mm -hmm. of this. So that's probably why we keep going back to them. But Lauren was actually kind of saying the same thing. So it actually, it made me feel a lot better because when I think back to the first of our marriage, I took the submission thing almost to the, the, a whole other train of thought is like the patriarchy, like Mm -hmm. the, the husband is in control, right? you know, and, um, I just kind of, because of my anxiety, because of my um, just personality, because of a lot of different things, my insecurities, I basically just let Jonathan do it all. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't. Don't speak unless spoken to. Kind of, even though you wouldn't. It is um, as far as like tough decisions and Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, because I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go there. Like not that he was going to 
if you know Jonathan, he's like the least aggressive person ever. So it's mm-hmm. not, I wasn't afraid of anything with him. It was more like I didn't feel capable mm-hmm. and I just wanted him to take care of me. And the Bible says to submit. So I'm being biblical. Like I'm mm-hmm. being a good bl- biblical wife. Like I'll just let him take care of it all. And then over the past months, I started to get my anxiety in check and we started going to counseling and stuff. I realized part of that was just me being lazy, I Mm -hmm. think, like just not wanting Mm -hmm. to do the work that it took to come alongside him Mm -hmm. and help him. And so as this started to change, it was tough Mm -hmm. because he wasn't used to me actually being able to do things on my own Mm -hmm. and all of these things. So he was like, oh, you don't need me. And so that took some adjusting. But as we have adjusted and as I've been able to actually come alongside him and compliment him and he's been able to really compliment me, he's not so worried about like taking care of me Mm -hmm. anymore like a dad would. We're able to truly compliment each other. It's been, like you said, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we are able to further the gospel so much better. Our house is um, much more pleasant. Mm -hmm. It is just overall just such a beautiful thing how we've been able to do that. So I think you can kind of be on both sides of the spectrum. You know, you can either be like, no, I don't want to submit at all. Or you can be like overly submissive to the point of not doormat. God doesn't call you to be a doormat. Even though like when I hear that, I think, you know, of a husband as being kind of like oppressive and Jonathan was never that way. It was my choice Mm -hmm. to not step up and fulfill the role that that God had laid out mm-hmm. for me. And so the more I read about what it means, um, what complementarianism really truly means, like you said, the more beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. And the more I see, wow, like God's design really is so beautiful how we can just like bring out each other's strengths. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's amazing. So I would say we both feel like it's very like sound theology. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's a gift. And that it's a gift. And yeah, we both are trying to live our lives Mm -hmm. that way. And there's a lot of things that are confusing about it as far as like what that looks like in the church. Right. That's something that we're both still studying and really digging into a lot because um, I think it's confusing. I don't Mm -hmm. think everything about it is clearly laid out in the Bible. I think it takes a lot of studying. but yeah, I think overall it is just, it's a beautiful thing. Yep. So there we have it. <laughs> this has been so fun. Oh, it's been so much fun. We should do this more often. We should. It'd be so fun. So if you have questions, like just as you think of them, yeah. throw them at us on social media, email, um, whatever, and maybe we'll do another one of these before mm-hmm. too long. Yeah. So we don't have anything to end with. I know. I don't, we don't have a quote or anything. I didn't think about that. Didn't think I didn't that. either. So um, I guess we'll just leave with saying we hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today by the incredibly talented Katie Cox.